sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yeah, Aaron, you're just looking at... You know, this is an audio podcast. People can't see the expression on your face, Aaron. I can't see the expression on my face. What is the expression on my face? I, I, I don't know. You're looking at me with this kind of smug expression. <laughs> yeah, you're looking smug. D-double-O-D, dude. I'm tired. Okay. Yeah. Smug. Oh, there's a great Steve Taylor song called Smug. But anyways. Really? Uh, yeah, it's called Smug. Okay. Well, anyway, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not familiar <laughs> I'm not, with Steve Taylor's body of work. I'm, not nearly as familiar I'm, as you are, even though he has been a guest on the podcast. I, I don't mean to look smug. I'm okay. just listening and seeing what happens next. There is no plan, so I have to be ready to shuck and jive and move. Okay. And I don't know anyone who does it better than you. Oh, very kind. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some guests that we're going to get to quick, but yep. how are you doing overall? I mean, you're back in at home, not out in a cabin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Life is good. Life is good. And uh, and ministry is good. And I'm just so grateful that we got so many people working so hard on the upcoming retreat. We'll talk about that later in the show. But lots of people now engaged. Uh, still getting over the lingering disappointment that we had to postpone the big, you know, coast to coast bus tour. This damn COVID thing, that really sucks. But it's all right. We're rallied. We got more to do, more to do of substance. We're making a dent in the universe here. We are about the Father's business, right? Yeah, of course I had, we are. I had some cereal this morning. It was very <laughs> <tasty>. <laughs> I don't know why that felt like the right response. I'm just tired. I'm punchy and smug. Well, uh, I, inter- I introduced you mm-hmm. a few years ago to the wonderful world of writing technical reports mm. to make a living. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you have taken to it quite well. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how many of these technical reports did you write in the last week? Well, on average, I used to do like 13 to 15 a week. Yeah. And then the last seven days, it's been 34. Oh, Aaron. So any sentences that are formed tonight, <laughs> bonus sentences. <laughs> and you're going to, is it going to take some concentration to slip out of engineerese back into normal, everyday conversational English? Yeah, I'm afraid that when the guests are talking about, uh, you know, we've got a husband and wife talking about their journey, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be like, oh, so there were cracks in the stucco along the support beam and your <laughs> marriage at about year five. <laughs> those were those were only 25-year architectural shingles on it's, your roof. So. Potential stresses were yes. building in the uh, uh, and the granule loss was was normal wear and tear. This was not from an outside force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might it might be tricky, um, yeah. but you know, I just I just make all that stuff up, anyways. Come on, I know you must have made a lot of that up. I did, I did. Well, um, I have confidence that you are going to function as um, a compassionate and skilled interviewer in the upcoming conversation. <laughs> 
What was that? That was uh, that was my compassion. Okay. It was All my right. it was my spirit animal of compassion. Okay. All right. Mirror. All right. Not going to subject the listeners to any more than that. We're going to close out this opening session and get quickly to our guests. Stick with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Waking up to a new sunrise Looking back from the other side I can see now with open eyes Darkest water and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for anything Cause my brokenness brought me to you And these wounds are a story you'll use So I'm thankful for the scars Cause without them I wouldn't know your heart And I know they'll always tell of who Sending in confidence With the strength of your faithfulness And I'm not who I was before No, I don't have to fear anymore So I'm thankful for the scars Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, Aaron, our good friend and the guy who has stepped in to really lend a hand on the production of this show, Sean Parks, also connected us with today's guest. Well, I hope they don't suck. <laughs> oh, me God. too. They're on right now. Yeah, no, me too. They're, yeah. they're going to be. They're going to be great. Jay and Lori Pyatt are joining us. Uh, and uh, Jay has got a, a well, I suppose uh, it belongs to both of them. But there's you got a great web domain, by the way. Pornischillingme.com. Yep. And Lori's is called pornpainhealed.com. Oh, nice, Man. nice. Yeah. So uh, it, is great, it is great to have you both on here. But there's a story behind a duo here on the line with us. How yeah? You know, so uh, let me ask you a couple of questions quickly, and then I, uh, I want you just to spin off and tell us some of your story. How long have you guys been married? Twenty five years. Yeah, twenty five okay. years. Okay, that almost sounded like you guys were giving two different <laughs> years. But it, well, I'm going twenty five, almost twenty six. Is yeah. that? Did I read that right? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. okay. Uh, and how many kids? One. One. Okay. All right. You both nailed that, by the way. Yeah. 
you presently you, live in the you would understand why the 25 came out the way it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you presently live in what part of the country? We live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, you know, I, I love Kalamazoo. That is a cool town. It huh? really yeah. is. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to determine whether or not I feel like Nate's ever been to Kalamazoo. I feel like he has. He I has. feel like he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. So yeah. what? We, uh -huh. what it's, a, it's actually a great beer town. Yes, okay. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Couple. We're a couple of miles from Bell's Brewery, which is one of the biggest known. Oh yeah, microbrews here in in Kalamazoo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so tell us. Uh, Tell us your story. You guys, tell us how you met, how you fell in love, how it was wonderful, and then how it kind of all went to crap for a while. Well, it actually started where we weren't. <laughs> yeah, we didn't like each other yeah. very much at first. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. No, not Way really. better. Like <laughs> unpredictable. All right, yeah. so how, where did you know each other from that we, you did not like each other? Well, we met, we met at work. We were both working at a hospital. I worked in the uh, IT department. I right. have a background in computer programming. and I worked right next door to his department in the accounting department. Yeah. Okay. All and right. We met over broken equipment. <laughs> yeah. 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 Broken copiers, broken printers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and, I, and sparks did not fly initially. No, no. no I, <laughs> I had spent eight years in the military, so my, we'll call it social demeanor, mm -hmm. was not well developed other from, than from a, you know, directive standpoint. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that goes over real well with uh, strong, intelligent women. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so... God, God kind of so, this together. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm summarizing, I'm picturing. You came in and said, uh, hey, tech guy, I'm having trouble with my printer. And he was like, drop it, give me 25. <laughs> and you were like, what the heck? You're well, an asshole. He came, he came in and uh, was going to fix the, the, the computer. And I was working with a woman uh, learning side by side with her. And she says, aren't you going to say please? And he said, my mama doesn't even get a please. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. even better than dropping it at 25, <laughs> I got to say. So, so you can see why her 25 sounded a whole lot more like 50 plus or feel, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So we kept we we were forced to talk because of a broken printer, and I promise you, I was not breaking it at all. It was a god thing. <laughs> <laughs> People were on both sides were trying to get us to go out, and I went to his church and saw a different side of him. That was oh. a little softer and wasn't quite, you know, I mean, he had tears coming out of his eyes and being touched by God and that sort of thing. So I thought, maybe I'll give this a chance. So we went out a few times and very quickly started talking about marriage, which I don't suggest. It definitely mm -hmm. increases uh, difficulty down the road, but um, yeah. quickly got married and... Within six months, we were having problems. I mean, the first six months, we were basically fighting every night. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, you know, Nate, this whole thing with sexual integrity issues, I, I actually told her before we got married. Um, so 1992, my first marriage ended um, after 22 months. 1993, I started working in this IT department and um, I was the network manager. So I had uh, internet access late 93, you know, mid 94. Wow. Wow. And, uh, you know, I had my own computer at home. I had a 15.6 baud modem. You know, I was rocking at home. (laughs) You know, and um, can, can you hear, still hear that screech of the connection? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things I think I'll hear forever. But the um, uh, so I knew I had a problem, uh-huh. and I was working on it. Um, and I told her about it. I told her I had a porn issue. Um. And she basically had two questions for me. She said, will you talk about, you know, are you willing to talk about it? And do you think marriage will help? Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, I'm willing to talk about it. Yes, I think marriage will help. And I was wrong on both of those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I was outright lying about either one of them at the time, but I was certainly assuming the best of all possible worlds at that moment. Sure, sure. And I wasn't willing to talk about it. And marriage didn't make the problem go away because as you know, I don't know how many times you might have said this, but it's not a sexual issue per se. It's a right. relationship issue. Right. Yeah, let's look I want to back yeah. up for a second. Because sure. I mean, geez, it's universal that guys think, oh, marriage will solve it. That's not even interesting. But the fact that you thought you were willing, you were, you said you were willing to talk about it. Yeah. And I believe you. Mm-hmm. At what point did you discover you weren't? Like what? That's, yeah. that's, a, that's an important piece. It was right after the wedding. That's mm-hmm. what led to all the fights. You know, and I really did wrestle with getting, once he started talking about marriage, I'm like, oh, porn to me is just one step shy of an affair. And I had been cheated on before. So I really, 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 really wrestled and got input from my spiritual mentors and prayed about it and all that. And I thought, number one, he's willing to work on it. Number two, he said it wasn't an issue in his first marriage. And number three, at least, you know, if we can talk about it, then we can get through anything. Right. So, so when you said talk about it, you meant with you, yeah. not with other men or yeah. you, meant you guys would have an open dialogue about porn. Because we already were. Mm-hmm. We already were. Yeah. Um, he wasn't necessarily uh, walking in integrity before we got married. I believed him that marriage would solve the problem because I thought it was a sex thing. Yeah, right. And we weren't doing that before marriage. You know, we were going to wait until we were married. So um, I thought that would take care of it and quickly found out that uh, after marriage, um, the shame piece kicked in. I mean, he wasn't wasn't into porn at that point, but just talking about it was so shameful for him. And we just, we couldn't get through a conversation about it. 
what what would happen? Because I think there's probably a lot of listeners that have tried tried in their marriage to say, okay, if we can just talk about it, this will be fine. And then they try, and you're saying, nope, we it hit went, a wall. Yeah, it went sideways wall? on them. In anger, what ways? Yeah, Anger, his anger would flare up. Mm-hmm. There might be some, oh, yeah, well, you. Mm-hmm. Or okay. you're shaming me was a big one. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I was just like, no, I'm just trying to talk about it the way we used to. Yeah. And so, 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 Jay, what was going on with you? I mean, well, that, that sounds like a lot of shame <clears throat> stuff. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I'm going to mention a book here. I wish I had read this book 30 years ago or more. Um, Bonds That Make Us Free by C. Terry Warner. Mm. Uh, what he talks about in there and what kind of I finally started to realize is I was walking into every single one of those conversations with an accusation the, uh, about myself, you know, that I had done something wrong or just my lack of an integrity walking into those situations I was ready for a fight. I was ready to be accused. I was ready to be blamed. And I came in, you know, guns drawn to those conversations. I I wasn't, I, I did not think Lori would treat me well. A lot Mm. of suspicion, just a lot of, just the, the way the shame showed up kept me on, you know, that in that little, weird spot of, I do want to talk about it, but I'm also completely petrified that you're going to take it the wrong way or, you know, Mm -hmm. all sorts of crazy stuff that didn't really happen, but because I was so ready to be accused yeah, that I was off to the races before she even got the sentence out of her mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the statement, the way the shame showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it just speaks to, Oh, there's lots of different ways. For mm-hmm. John over there, it pops up like this. Yeah. For Chris, man, it slams him like this. But shame just undercuts what I still want to hang on, you know, to believing. You wanted to have these conversations. Then shame showed up unexpectedly in a way that made you draw your guns before she had even uh, said there was a fight. Right. Right. And yeah. now, now all of a sudden, you're not in a conversation. Right. And it took me a long, long, long time. It took me probably over, I'd say, 18 years before I realized the conversation's over before it even started. Like there is yeah. no win. And we went through many, many revisits to the way he showed up in conversation. Um, but also we had to, you know, another way it showed up um us not being able to talk about it was I had to realize he liked he liked to fight. He uh, liked to argue. And he was primed and ready for it because that he could use his intimidation tactics to shut me up. So it worked. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you mean by he liked to? And I'm uh, curious uh, if he I, I'm like you see you guys can't see Aaron. I'm I'm I see the smile on Aaron's face <laughs> when you say he liked to fight. Because Aaron's a guy who's not afraid of a fight. Do you identify with that? I uh, do and I don't. 
I, I don't good. Jay said asking me or Aaron, Nate. Yeah, no, no, I'm <laughs> no, sorry. no. He's asking you. I, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, here's here's my question. No, I I I like a good fight. I don't like a bad fight. Right, 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 right. But I I, I yeah. I want to hear more about this. He liked to fight and then how that kind of went sideways. How, Lori, dig into that a little more. What was your experience of him? How did you finally come to understand how those confrontations well, went? Well, and Jay, we're, uh, I'm curious to hear your response to this. I don't know. Were we in, were we in therapy mode right now? I think we are. <laughs> I think, okay. I'm, I'm sitting on Lori's side of the room and you're sitting on Jay's. Not necessarily. <laughs> I want to hear more. So it you say be- he... It would show up like uh, very quick to start arguing, very quick to escalate, uh-huh. um, a lot of blame shifting, basically yeah. a lot of deflection, a lot, a lot of, yes. de- a lot of deflection, not, um, not hearing what I was saying. He would make up what I was saying in his head and then argue that. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's not even what I'm, that's not even in my heart. I'm not even saying that, but we would be off on, or, or like put me on the defensive. Right. Well, you mm-hmm. didn't do this right. And then suddenly I'm defending myself. So I think he'd like to fight or I, I came to that conclusion because um, he was used to that more than slowing down and listening and hearing what I was trying to say in mm-hmm. the manner I, mean, that I was trying to say yeah. it. Yeah. Um, even so, if I was in pain, I wasn't necessarily saying he was wrong. I was just like, I'm not even at the right or wrong spot. I haven't even got there. I'm just in pain and I need you to hear it. Yeah. yeah. So there, there weren't a lot of skills for how to have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. So Jay, yeah. I'm curious, you know, with, with the phrase, he liked to fight. Yeah, I think that's how she interpreted it. But okay, now I'm going to project my own experience into this <laughs> completely. But Allie would say that one of the keys to her, when she, one of the things that helped her begin to believe that maybe recovery was working for me, mm-hmm. was that uh, she saw me becoming less defensive. Mm-hmm. I was so freaking defensive for the first 20 years of our marriage that when she even came close to pointing out um, a, you know, a weakness or a deficiency or a way in which I was neglecting or abusing her or, or you know, if she even came close to that porn piece, mm-hmm. I was so defensive and so quick to counterattack. But that really came out of it came out of fear and defensiveness and fear of my fear of my own shadow and my own brokenness because I hadn't encountered it and didn't know how to. I was fighting it like crazy. Right. But I couldn't let her come close to it. All right. So that's all about me and not about you. <laughs> but uh, does that resonate at all with your experience, Jay? It, it does. The, the, the downside is I was – trained in how to abuse other people uh, mm. uh, you know through conversations w- growing up mm-hmm. and the idea of as much as I knew uh, married fights aren't supposed to have a winner uh-huh. I also knew that depending on how the conversation went especially on porn or sexual integrity issues I could come out the loser pretty quickly. Yeah. And 
we're just not going to have that conversation because I don't want to get too far down that road back into the whole shame of, you know, it's all my fault. It's all about me. I can't do anything Mm -hmm. right type conversation. So if I blow it up early and I turn everything around, I don't have to have that conversation. I don't have to feel that way. (laughs) You know? So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I was a sick puppy and uh, um, I'd love to say that I immediately got better, but he didn't, I didn't. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now, Jay, after one of these conversations, like Lori described where you immediately figured out how to like judo your way around and all of a sudden she's confused and feeling like, wait, am I the bad person? I was talking about you when you walked away from those conversations, how did you feel in your spirit, in your emotions? Awful. It wasn't like, wow, no, you really missed a bullet. No, That's I didn't. That's a great question. Yeah, I didn't feel like I had dodged a bullet. I felt awful. I felt like I'm, you know, so amped up over something. I don't entirely know why. Yeah. I wish I could treat her differently. I keep telling myself, you know, not to do all of those things. And, you know, I knew that it it hadn't solved a thing. Yeah. So this is such a familiar story. And, Lori, I am in no way trying to take away from what you said. Mm -hmm. I, I love what you said. But when I heard the word he liked to fight, my first thought was, I don't know if he did. Mm. And then he just described having no pleasure from it. So Mm -hmm. the word liked, I think for so many men, uh, I I think there are many folks in relationships that behave in the same way. Mm -hmm. And they're miserable, but they keep doing it and they're wounding their spouse. Mm-hmm. So everybody's miserable. So how did you guys break free of this cycle where misery was just, you know, the, uh, the hors d'oeuvre that was being served in the, uh, in the foyer. I, I want to bet that there was a crisis point. You think there was a crisis? Yeah, point? I, I, I'm, I'm kind of betting there was a crisis at some point. Yeah. Was there, there was a few D days, um, Early on in our relationship, uh-huh. we had a, a period of six years of sobriety. Was it six years? About five or six years of sobriety. And then um, he, uh, his accountability partnership stopped meeting, so he started making me his accountability partner. Oh, that's so tough. he would um, commit to me in the morning that if he had a struggle, he would tell me about it at night. And so he started doing that, and then um, it turned into a lie because he started stumbling again, and he had four solid years of lying to me every night. Mm -hmm. And um, then D-Day happened at year 15, and I had to back up and go, do I like him enough to stay? Do I try this again? Because we had, I had tried over those years of trying to talk about it, but again, it was a lot of deflection. So we never got anywhere. And I, and um, one of the, like I journaled right after our first big, 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 big D-Day conversation at year 15. And 
one of the things I wrote was, I hope we can talk about it this time. Yeah. Mm. And wow. I knew I had to do the, the This time is heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I knew I had to do something different because I had been the good Christian wife for the first 15 years, and it gave us a relationship that was on the brink of divorce. Yeah. So I said, you know, God, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to stay, I've got to do it differently. And I felt like I got the um, a huge green light from God. And then I went on a um, kind of a mad search for tools that would work this time. And some of them worked, some of them worked for a time. Um, but really to get past the conversations, the bad conversations, because that those lasted really solidly for another three years, two or three years. So what got us past that was just letting them know, look, we're going to have a moratorium on your issues. Meaning I would come to, we would have these conversations scheduled once a week and I would open up and ask him, do you have anything to share that I need to hear? And he'd say, no. So I'd go, okay, my turn. And I would have something to share, which typically it was something that we've probably visited hundreds of times before. Maybe this time he'll hear me. And then he would come out having an issue with me. Mm -hmm. He would either make it up or hear something that he didn't like and address that or critique the way I'd said something. And so I said, okay, timeout, we're going to have a moratorium on your issues. And what that is, is if you don't bring it on your own during the space that, you know, is given, if you don't come with it on your own, and it's only in response to something I say, if it's only in response to an issue I have with you, then I want you to sit on that stuff for three days. I don't want to hear about it. I want you in those three days to really listen and hear what I'm trying to say. And then after three days, um, I'll be willing to hear you. And what would happen is around day, around the, the second day after that, I could see sense that his upset was decreasing and by day three he would forget what his upset was and the the thing that gave me that hint was I would bring something to him he would have an issue with me I would clean it up I would focus on cleaning that issue up then there was a time a couple times where I said, I've been working on this issue that you met. Can I clarify something? Did you mean this? He's like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And I, That's oh. discouraging. That's mm-hmm. discouraging. Yeah. So I started realizing, oh, he's just shooting from the hip. And in. Uh, Distracting the topic. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a complete deflection. He doesn't even, these aren't even real issues. So that's what led to the moratorium piece. And that's where we, that was, I mentioned it like what turned our boat around wasn't one huge thing. It was a lot of little things addressing the core issues. So over time, we -hmm. collected tons and tons and tons of tools that now we use to help other clients or help uh, mentors, mentees. I mean, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So if you could go back, each of you, and talk to 16-year-old you and early married you. Because I'm, I'm picturing people that have been married like five years. 
it took you 15 to start hitting that level of crisis point and then more years to work through it. So year five, talking to that person, what would you tell them for the sake of our young married people who are struggling listening to this right now? So what would we tell our, our five-year marriage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget, forget the 16-year-old. I was curious about that, but we don't have time for that. So just go to five years into marriage. What would you each tell yourself? I would say, remember that relationship you had with God? Get back to that because you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give, give me more on that. Like what? It would so be- do you feel like by year five you were kind of trying to just grin and bear it or yeah yeah i would also tell that person to or tell myself then um stay in therapy whether he wants to go or not try to get him into therapy understand exactly what it takes to set boundaries because they're not easy at all Mm -hmm. um widen your support network with females that are safe once betrayal trauma was found i'd be like Look into betrayal trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy. So those a lot of little practical pieces. Yeah. Right. Um, so really, really wait before you go because yeah. I, I think this is. I'm just kind of thinking through what Lori just said. It, that's a lot of. Give yourself a good foundation to understand what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. Right. And a big enough community to support you in those moments. Uh-huh. So that you don't feel like you can just be pushed away from those feelings so easily. Right, right. Yeah. Other, I also, other voices. Yeah, yeah. And safe voices, too. Because that, you know, I experienced some treatment-induced trauma. Where wow. the person mm-hmm. didn't, the, the therapist or the, the counselor I went to didn't, it basically shamed me and made it my fault, what what he was doing. And I mean, all that, not having all those things um, or enough of those things created an intensity in me that made it difficult for Jay to really hear the the message, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was difficult for me not to take, I mean, obviously it's, it, it feels personal. It feels very, very personal. Um, when your husband is turning to other women on a regular basis. And when he tells you the reason I did that was because you don't look like that and you don't put yourself out there like that. Gonna take it personally when a guy says that. So difficult to not take it personally, but I would have, I think I would have been triggered for shorter periods of time. And I would have been able to go, okay, there's something up with you, Jay. This is not about me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay, Jay, five years into marriage, you. You get to travel back. <laughs> what do you say? And I hope you're wearing a cool time traveler helmet. <laughs> uh, I think I would apologize to him for some of the shit that he was about to fall into. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize yeah. for the language, but that I really don't know that I could put it any other way. That's it right there. No apology necessary. And, uh, and I think I would also tell him that um, 
he needed to find some people who understood, you know, that, that I was so shocked that not many guys that I went to really understood. Um, and it was either because they weren't willing to talk about it at that time, or they really did not have that story. And, you know, I'll, I'll go back to what, um, Kurt Thompson was saying, uh, you know, a few episodes ago with the soul of shame, it really helps to have someone who hears your story and says, yeah, man, you screwed up, but I totally get it. I totally get it. And, um, how empowering it is. You know, one of the things I talk to the guys that I work with about is the, Antidote to shame is vulnerability plus acceptance. So if I'm vulnerable and I receive acceptance, my shame goes down. Right. Um, And so I, you know, when I meet with my guys in group, I do that with them so that they can get anything they're feeling shame over. And so that, that guy, my, my five years into marriage self, I would have sat down with him and said, yes, you screwed up, but I totally get it you're going to be okay. She's not, she's not trying to run away. She's just trying to understand, you know, and if she could, if she could understand, if you could sit with her pain, if she, if you could take ownership of what you've done, you'll both be better off for it as opposed to keep trying to not have this conversation. You know, if, if I can get her to, to, either not have the conversation to begin with or to get her to see how, well, I only hurt you 90 times and not a hundred. So it should hurt 10% less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that kind of crazy thinking, but if I, if I could sit with her and just say, I know I've hurt you. So you said such an interesting thing just there that you would say to your younger self is she's not trying to run away. Was that the fear that you felt like I have to head off any shame that will leave me fully guilty because then she will split. Was, was that the underlying fear for you? That was one of them, you know, that, that when it became clear that, yes, it was me and all of my crap, that she, she would have every reason to leave at that point. Yeah. Boy, and to tell yourself. Tell- yeah, go ahead. I wanted to tell him. I see that is just part of you. Obviously there's a a good, you know, a a part that's not all bad or I'd be gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's do this, Lori. So you get to talk to five years into marriage (laughs) and he'll get to talk to you. So go, you talking to him, you're saying he's not all bad. This is only part of you. Keep going. It's brilliant. Beautiful. Um, I tell you, my flesh would want to smack him upside the head and say, "Cut it out." Well, but, you get one. You get one free shot. But after that, <laughs> yeah. all right, punch him in the nose, cut it out. No, really, um, it would be you're so much more than this. Yeah, you're so much more than this. Like this is not about you living up to my standard it's you living up to your own standard 
of how you want to live. So seriously, take that seriously. Is this the life you want to live? If it is, let me know. And I'll either adjust or I'll move. I'll, I'll let you have that life. No holds, no, you know, no barriers to it. And dude, you got to work on your communication. You've got to work on your, your relationship intelligence, your emotional intelligence. Consider going to therapy for this stuff in your childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is incredibly powerful. Jay, what do you say to young Lori as the man you have become going back to talk to her five years in? Oh, um, well, you guys just didn't want to go with the easy questions. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm so sorry. Hmm that number one, that I hurt you. And number two, that I didn't hear your pain. I didn't want to hear your pain because your pain scared me. And your pain is important. It's yeah. real. And I want to sit with you in it. Wow. Wow. I get the impression that you guys now have the privilege of engaging in conversations with this much emotional intensity. Yeah. on a fairly regular basis with other people who are deep in places that you are familiar with. God's uh, used, uh, he's taken all that pain and all that failure and even all that rebellion and law, you know, lack of faith, all that thing, and fashioned it for a redemptive purpose, and you are now making a difference in the lives of others. Tell us if you will, uh, what you're doing now day to day to help other couples. So since, uh, huh. so that Nate, I'll back up and give a little bit of a, an anecdotal story here that, that'll just kind of make this more interesting. We had, um, late 2015, we had started watching the Netflix series, making a murderer. And I know that Netflix has done some stuff that a lot of people shouldn't be mm -hmm. upset about now, but the making a murderer series was all about, you know, this guy who was wrongfully accused. And I finished, we finished watching that on January the 6th of 2016. And that night I said to Lori, God never said life would be fair. He never even said it would be just. He said he would be with us in it. And I'm at a new level of surrender. Mm. And she, 
I don't know if she agreed with me or not, but she kind of got it anyway. And he prayed. He prayed along those lines that night too. Yeah, I said, God, you know, I'm at a new level of surrender. Whatever you want us to do. And um, the next morning, I lost my job of 14 years. <laughs> um, <Wow>. And uh, <laughs> um, not for cause. It no, was, that's not supposed to be funny, but I know this is going somewhere good. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I mean, that, that was God going. Okay. <laughs> or or maybe he was going sucker, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> Sometimes those sound the same in the Hebrew language. <laughs> so uh well at that point we had kind of outlined about fifteen different things that we could do, but we had already discussed we wanna we wanna help couples through this issue when we retire. Yeah. Yeah, when when we're ready, you know, when when yeah. when everything else is kind of settled, then um, uh, I tried to find jobs. I tried to, you know, all this other stuff, and the only thing that consistently took off was helping people in this issue. And um, so, our daily job now is diving in with couples who are. You know, typically the first phone call is, okay, how long ago was D-Day? Um, yeah. And and it's typically within the last few weeks, if not the last few months. And um, stepping into relationships on the, on the verge of breakdown. And we not only address the issue of the pornography, but also what it's going to take on my side, what it's going to take for the guy to rebuild trust, which is huge. And um, Lori helps the women navigate the trauma yeah, and begin to have a plan on what, what she wants to do next. Yeah, what the woman wants to do next, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's some heavy stuff. Yeah. So how has that been, like, just with you guys learning about your own journey? Because you find that uh, walking through with other couples, you get to see your own journey in a very different way. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, this whole thing about COVID and, and isolation and all of that, um, working six feet apart day in and day out sometimes <laughs> is <I'm> awesome. Sometimes <laughs> helping you out here, Jay. I'm helping you out, buddy. <laughs> Some sometimes at the at the fourteen hour mark of a sixteen hour day, it's not as much fun. Even as, you know, better than it was <laughs> at hour two. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah. So that was one thing that that Lori and I talked about prior to this was you know one of those softball questions you were going to offer us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, we're constantly learning and, and part of that constantly learning is, you know, sometimes we'll get done listening to a story and I'll go to Lori and I'll just be like, man, I am so sorry for everything I did wrong. <laughs> because, you know, all I, I can see that it some, in some ways it's bringing it all back up for this yeah. conversation, I feel like has ignited some of those things between us once again. And I... Yeah. You know, um, I guess one of the other lessons in it, though, is I still needed support on my own. Mm -hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. one of the one of the challenges was I went from having a full time job and being involved in a twelve step um, program. I was running the twelve step program, but I was involved in it to being at home, pretty isolated, not staying involved in a twelve step or or yeah. any support of my own. And uh, late last year, it became abundantly clear that I needed more support on my own. And so I started going to some meetings um, for me. Uh, Good. You know, and um, continuing to work on my own stuff, you know, diving back into some new books. Uh, and I, you know, I feel like uh a good coach, a good mentor. We're mentors, not coaches. We don't have mm-hmm. coaching certificates. We're not therapists or, you know, it's, it's all from cleaning up the train wreck, but the, um, uh, that, that good mentor is someone who's constantly learning and always bringing something new to the conversation because, um, their conversation is constantly changing. And for me to walk into one of those meetings and say, well, you know, I, I'm sorry that happened to you over the weekend, but really what I want to talk about is lesson two and, and move on. Um, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't really sit well with most people. And, and um, you know, that, that for me, even now, I, I mean, 10 years, no porn, no mm-hmm. masturbation, um, you know, a lot of my core like go-to issues are, are cleaned up. And I still have like, wow, I had no idea that's some of the things I was bringing into the conversation or, or I had no idea that's what I was doing. Yeah. And so I need to be bringing it to those guys because, you know, they are five years into their marriage and I want to save them the (laughs) 15 or 25 years of growth that, uh, or not save them, accelerate it, maybe. Um, however, however we want to put it, but yeah, it. Um, I'm not even sure what the question was anymore. But for me, how do people? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. For me, um, working with couples and what does it do for my own journey? I mean we're still learning, we're still, um, you know, hashing some things out. The, the breakdown is a heck of a lot shorter, but you know, we're two individual individuals and we still disagree sometimes. One of the things I love about being a mentor is because I can say, Oh, this is, this is, I I can completely agree or I completely relate. This is what I did in that situation. You know, I can go from my own experience Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, therapists aren't necessarily able to do, uh, for, uh, for, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so so what are the kinds of people that you feel like are best suited by what you guys are doing right now? Right. Best served. Best served. Um, we kind of take them all like I've worked and am working with women who want to move on. We work with couples who want to try to put it back together. We work with separated couples. I've even met with some divorced women who are like, okay, I, now that I'm away from him, I need to get free. <laughs> you know, um, 
we work guy Jay works with guys on on their own. But the ideal client, you know, the the ones that make the most progress are the ones where the guy's ready to do whatever it takes to heal the relationship, you know, and Jay's great at helping those kind of guys. Yet, even for the guys that are kind of resistant, we have this new program. It's kind of like an like an eight week intensive type thing, if you can call it that, um, where we meet once a week with the guys and really uh, get super clear on what's keeping him from change, you know, yeah. uh, taking that next step, going, going a little further into the discomfort or the hard stuff. And that's typically for the more resistant guys. Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you to, to check out what you're doing and connect with you? Um, I think the easiest way would be thecouplecure.com. So we have three different websites, but thecouplecure.com is the is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Okay. There we have um, podcasts mainly to kind of give them a feel for what we're like, and then they can branch off to the other two uh, awesome. websites if if uh, they feel like they want more information. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you for being as honest and vulnerable as you have been. Oh, this, this has been, yeah, it's been so wonderful and so refreshing. Yeah, I, you stole, you took the words right out of my mouth. I want to thank these guys for their refreshing vulnerability. And it just shows me that Jay and Lori are the real deal. They're the real deal. That's true. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Taste of the sound from the sirens in the water And I'm thinking I should get out The sharpest sword and suit of armor So I can be ready to strike But I pause one more time One last taste of the sound Then I'll cut these sirens down But as they sang I forgot they were death, so I brought them my heart to be filled, and I followed them. No trace could I find of any joy The sirens promised they had found a way with the light To turn what's good and should be wanted Into what is highest above All desires and loves Till my heart would obey Whatever it wants, whatever it takes Set free, only bound to the 
Welcome back to the Pirate Punk Podcast. Come uh, on. That was, that was really... <laughs> that was awesome. great. Wasn't that refreshing? Super refreshing. Yeah, yeah. And thanks to uh, Sean Parks for making that happen. Sean's stepping up to be the man here for, for the podcast. He sent me another uh, guest recommendation today, and, and he actually produced the last episode. Took that off your plate, which you needed something taken off your plate, Aaron. I did. And he did a great job mixing and learning a new program and it sounded great so and he's bringing okay so i love picking songs Uh for the episodes right right but i also enjoyed you know i was asking him what kinds of songs would you pick (laughs) and he was picking some genres i'm like okay i can be okay with that i'm a little protective of that area and i'll still throw some songs in but it was it was really fun last week just to Send the file. So if you listen to last week's episode, yeah, mixed by Sean. Brand, brand. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that other Samson guys are stepping in now because this really is this is a, this is a volunteer effort. This is a team effort. This isn't the Nate and Aaron show, right? Right. Uh, uh, and other guys are stepping in. I've got another great connection for a guest from. Uh, let me see, Patrick Peterson. Him in. We made the connection. And Tully and Tavidian is going to be on uh, in two weeks. That's going to be a great show. So anyway, uh, but also coming up in a couple of weeks, so that yeah. he'll be on the day after we return. No, he's uh, he'll be. Uh, we're recording him the Monday before the retreat in Eva, Tennessee. I thought he said he couldn't do the twenty six. He can't. Keep adding. He's coming on on the second so. of November. It's going to be on the 34th of October. <laughs> 2nd of November, he'll oh, be I, on. I thought I thought our retreat was the first weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Right. Six, so seven, and eight. weekend before. Okay. On October 34th. That's right. Okay. And then we've got the retreat in Eva, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the era of COVID, scary as hell. Uh, we still got guys coming in. We're going to be as careful as we possibly can be. Uh, we're going to take every effort. I'm still, I actually, Aaron, I'm on the fence as to whether I am actually physically going to attend the retreat because I've got a wife to protect who is, who, who, uh, everybody, you know, most of the guys got a wife to protect, but my wife is, I mean, she, she's, she's got underlying issues that makes her more susceptible to dangerous situations. That's right. She's extremely susceptible. And any guy that would say, well, but I wanted to be there with you, so yeah. you shouldn't yeah. miss out because of Allie. Well... I'll kick if, him in the nuts. If I show up, and I do want to show up, I really want to go. I will be distancing and and trying to keep contact to a minimum, not because I don't want to be there and connect with guys and love guys and be a part of what's going on. I just really got to protect Allie. And I think every guy understands that. I think we're going to set up a lawn chair for you on the roof. Going <laughs> to swath you in blankets and masks. Okay. Can you just wave to guys as they pass by? And then we'll put you in the back of a truck, kind of in a festive float kind of way, and you can drive around guys and wave. No, but the cool thing is now, two weeks later, we are doing the virtual event, the virtual version of the event. Uh, By the time this episode of the podcast is published, 
I am assured there will be a link on the main page at SampsonSociety.com where guys can go and register for that virtual event. And we're going to do our very best to replicate as best we can uh, the experience of the guys who can make it to Middle Tennessee for that weekend. So uh, we'll be doing it through Zoom. Uh, we will uh, play tapes of the workshops and, uh, I mean, guys, you know John Lynch is going to kill it. He always does. Uh, so whether it's the keynote addresses that, that John brings or whether it's the workshops, those are going to be recorded and edited and we'll play those. And the presenters will be available during the virtual event for interaction with those who attend virtually. Uh, now, the guys who come to EVA, they're going to be sent off at some point on Saturday to do some personal work. The guys in the virtual event, same thing. You'll get the same assignment and you'll get time. Guys who come to EVA, they then will get together uh, in groups for sharing. Guys in the virtual event, same thing. We're going to send them uh, into breakout rooms to share. Uh, so it won't be exactly the same of breathing, you know, the beautiful Tennessee, the fall, autumn Tennessee air, you know, uh, hanging around with the guys. But it's going to be as close as we can make it. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, guys from around the world who are not going to be able to make it to our annual fall retreat, Eva Tennessee this year, are still going to be able to get a retreat experience. And if you want to get yourself pumped up for that virtual retreat, or if you're coming to the live one, um, start listening to to some things like Andy Gullihorn is going to be one of the breakouts. Oh, dude. So go to, uh, it used to be called Noise Trade. I think it's now Pace.com. But mm -hmm. you can probably just type in Google uh, Andy Gullihorn Noise Trade, set up an account, and you can start listening to his music. Mm -hmm. um, you can just do it for a tip. You don't have to, you know, buy it for some set price. But I think as you start to hear some of his lyrics and his heart, you'll start to get really excited for what he's going to be talking about in this breakout session. So I think one thing that we don't consider or that I don't consider going into these things is how do I prepare myself weeks out? Yeah. How do I start to get my heart, my mind in a place to receive whatever? I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. um, I think part of that is just connecting and getting excited with the stories of some of the people, the men that you're going to be hanging out with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about wraps this episode. It's been an awfully good time, Aaron. It really has. Uh, but all good things must come to an end. This one is rapidly approaching the finish line. I'm going to go ahead and close it out the way we always do. I'm Nate. I, I don't want to do it the way we always do it. Okay, do it a different that. way. Okay. I, I'm Aaron. I haven't, and I'm Nate. <laughs> <laughs> we ate your guts on the Pirate Monk <laughs> Podcast. Let me carry your burden. Something's not right, I will let you know Like the paint that's drying on a heart that's poor Let me carry your burden Get you back on a high when you're feeling low When the weight's too heavy but you won't let me my brother and I will
Change in time. 